What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Bernie Nandamo back on the show, and today we got a special guest, Andy. Andy, let the people know where they can find you on Twitter. Hey, yeah, um, my name's Andy. Um, I am on Twitter, AndrewSeth123. Um, hopefully my tweets won't bore you too much about the Orioles, um, but a uh, big Wizards fan and happy to be on here today. Yeah, I definitely appreciate you uh, coming on. We like to have all different sorts of fans and whatnot come on. Um, we're going to try and get some more uh, credible people in the media over the offseason as well, just to kind of give more outside perspectives. But we definitely love when uh, fans come on as well, because I think it brings more of a realistic perspective perspective because you don't really care if you bash the team or not because your job's not on the line uh, but we got a lot <laughs> to talk about today but first thing i want to talk about is the current nba playoffs uh, the phoenix suns are currently up to nothing in the western conference finals we know that the clippers are without uh, Kawhi leonard but the suns are without chris paul and then on the other side we got the bucks and the atlanta hawks who Damo, I know you remember this. I said all along, even at the beginning of the season, that, I mean, the Atlanta Hawks are my dark horse in the Eastern Conference. Um, I don't know if you felt that same way or not. I just remember I was like, yeah, because when you go back and look at the Hawks offseason, they just got a little bit of everything on that team. So, um, I mean, what do you think about the current playoffs right now? Yeah, I had the Hawks as a playoff team, uh, too, going into it. Along with us, like I, I had, you know, the usual suspects with with the top elite teams, but then like those last couple of spots, I had basically us and the Hawks. Um, but I didn't see the Hawks going to the damn West Conference Finals. Like, um, this has been crazy. But I mean, they just had they they acquired too much shooting and talent for them not to be good. That's why I was just kind of like, you know, with Lloyd Pierce and the record they had, how they started, it was just kind of weird because. It's like you got an elite shooter, full-level scorer at point guard. You know, you got shooters everywhere. Um, and the Bogdanovich ad, that was kind of out of nowhere because the Bucks messed that up. Um, so not only did the Bucks not get him, but then you added him. So it was just like, you know, y'all should be better than this. And, you know, uh, Nate McMillan has got them got them boys rolling and, and believing more than anything. Because they, they I don't even think they had an all-star this year. Um, and we know they – you know, trade it, make all NBA. So, you know, for them to be sitting in the in the conference finals right now, I mean, that's pretty crazy. Um, Nick McMillan just, you know, got to tip the cap to him, and Trey Young has been been hooping. Yeah, if if, if I can jump in too, guys, um, the Hawks are are such a cool story. Um, this is a team that was just, you know, getting lottery pick after lottery pick for a while, obviously making a huge trade a few years ago um, on draft night to trade Donkic for uh, Trey Young in a draft pick. That turned out to be a really successful draft for them. They got Kevin Herter that year as well, uh, Omari Spellman, who did not work out as well, um, and just adding to um, a really good foundation that already had John Collins. Um, and you make a really good trade and bring in uh, a Clint Capella, who I think uh, any contending team would love to have at center for his defense, for his rim rolling, for his screening. Um, so I think they did this the right way. You know, they built with some younger guys and then they, um, built the team up in, in free agency. They got, uh, Bogdanovich and Illo Gallinari, uh, has turned out to be a nice fit for them off the bench, providing some shooting. Um, brought in another guy, Chris Dunn, who I was hoping would get some minutes, um, back a point guard spot as well as Rajon Rondo in the off season. Um, so even though those guys aren't, um, having a big role now, you know, the Hawks, I think did it the right way. They, they built with, uh, built through the draft and then they supplemented their team, um, via free agency, and I think it's it's paying off this playoffs. Really fun team to watch. Yeah, I mean, th- they got a little bit of everything. I mean, you say, okay, well, who can play defense and go up and, um, you know, get some blocks? Okay, John Collins and Clint Capella. Who can go up and get lobs on the other end? Okay, John Collins and Clint Capella. Who can shoot on the perimeter for you? Okay, John Collins, Nadeo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, and uh, DeAndre Hunter can hit some threes. Who's some good perimeter defenders? Okay, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Gallinari, I think, is an underrated defender. Who are good passers? Okay, Trey Young. I mean, they have literally everything. So it is not a surprise to me at all that they're where they are right now. Uh, in terms of the other side, going to the Phoenix Suns. Now, Devin Booker is someone 
who got criticized up and down when he signed that deal in Phoenix. Uh, now, now we all know at the end of the day, guys are going to go and get their money. And the teams that draft them are going to be able to offer them more money. So, I mean, he took it. But for him to stay and to see them winning now and seeing it paying off, and especially when you consider like a team like the Jazz, too, with Donovan Mitchell, we know that um, he was banged up a little bit there. But it's nice seeing the two young stars go far in the playoffs who have been committed to their teams over time, especially in Phoenix. I mean, that, that trade for... Chris Paul seems to be working out really well because, I mean, I think, I think Phoenix is going to win the series, and I think we're going to see Phoenix in the NBA Finals, which is really weird to say. I mean, I think a lot of people figured they'd be a playoff team this year. I mean, with all the wing talent that they have, and uh, there was a lot of questions about Aiton coming into this year, but when you have a real point guard, it really helps you out. And you remember when Aiton was coming out in the draft, I had him as, like, my top ranked prospect out of any recent draft. And while he still may not be that yet, I still think he's one of the best offensive fives in the game and one of the best two-way fives uh, yeah. as it currently stands. So, um, I mean, what do you think about Phoenix? Yeah, I would say with them, I mean, it's just, I just love how their team is structured. Um, you know, I, I kind of hate kind of the, the the basketball Twitter analysis of certain star players where it's kind of like, oh, he's putting up empty stats and, you know, he's not a winner because his team isn't winning. And it's just no, you know, there's no context of the, the talent around him, the coaching, the the instability around the, the player. Um, and you see Devin Booker now. Devin Booker's been Devin Booker for the last four or five years now. Like, he's been nice. Um, is 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 just finally the the roster has caught up to his ability to complement him. You know they have like a traditional like throwback roster. They have a legitimate traditional point guard. They have a legitimate shooting guard. Um, you know they have a legitimate three and D small forward and bridges and uh, at power forward you got a vet dog and Jay Crowder that's just that just gets after it defensively, knocks down threes. And then at center, you got a big man that wants to be a big man. Um, I mean, he hits the boards, he crashes the glass and blocks shots. Um, and then he has an actual post game. He can go either shoulder. He can drop step on you. He'll put it on your head, dunk on you. Like, he's a big man that really wants to be a big man. He's built like damn David Robinson. So, um, like, I, I love how their team is set up. And, you know, it's – it's just so crazy, like just adding Chris Paul to that that eight and zero bubble team last year, and they go from not even in the playoffs to possibly the NBA Finals in one summer. Like it's just it's crazy. It's so crazy. But you know, when you look at their roster, you you know it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, it's like talk about Cameron Payne last night. I mean, my God. And, and I tweeted last night, like, Cameron Payne would have been an off-season option for me, but I think he's quietly kind of played himself out of our price range. But oh, yeah, go ahead, Andy. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, definitely. And no worries. Um, yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, you kind of saw it in the bubble last year with this Phoenix Suns team. I think they won every game in the bubble, and they just missed getting to that tiebreaker that I believe was between Memphis and Portland. And it's funny, they actually started their their bubble uh, games against the Wizards, and I remember beat the Wizards last year uh, in the first game in the bubble. Another example of a team, guys, that um, built through the draft with Booker and with Aiton and with Bridges, and then you know they decided that they were ready to take the next step and add some some bona fide players. The Chris Paul trade, a really good trade for them. They um, didn't give up too much at the end of the day. Kelly Oubre, Ty Jerome were involved in that trade, some picks. Um, but they did a really great job getting Chris Paul. He is the perfect fit on, on a young Suns team. Um, and then, like you were saying, Domo, getting Jay Crowder. Here's a guy who has playoff experience. He's been in the playoffs with Boston. He's been in the playoffs with Cleveland. Um, just the perfect complement to that lineup. Um, and, you know, you, you can see they added some free agents this offseason, too. Um, Torrey Craig being one of them. Uh, Etwan Moore being another one. Both of them getting rotation minutes last night. Um, so just a really well-built team. Can't say enough about Cameron Payne. Um, you know, before this year, I feel like he was best known as Russell Westbrook's dance buddy. Um, you know, bounced around the league a little bit with Chicago. Um, but 12 for 24 last night for 29 points and nine assists. Really good to see Cam Payne doing that. And I think 
if and when Chris Paul comes back in game three on Thursday, you know, I think Cam- campaign still should get 25, 30 minutes as the sixth man for this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on to some other stuff that happened last night. So the lottery happened last night. And I got to tell you, as soon as we got to the top two and it was between Detroit and Houston, I was like, wow, Detroit got the number one pick. And there was no, I mean, how often does the number one like projected team actually keep that first pick anymore? I mean, seriously. It almost doesn't. It doesn't like it doesn't happen anymore. Right. <laughs> um, which, again, it kind of goes into the um, they don't want you to tank as much and all that, which is something I like. And it makes it interesting. But for a Detroit team now that is clearly in rebuilding mode, again, I'm not really quite sure why they're holding on to Dwayne Casey. Maybe he's fine with doing that sort of thing. I would have thought that he wanted to be with the winner, but I mean, if he's happy in that role and Detroit's happy, I mean, he's certainly a good coach. There's certainly no reason to fire him or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. Um, Just the timelines you would think seem kind of off, but they're coming off a season um, where they drafted a Killian Hayes, who was my point guard one, which turns out he's probably because how many point guards got drafted in the first round? Lamelo, who else got drafted? Aaron Lewis. You had uh, yeah, there were quite a, a few. few. It was a few of them, but yeah, um, at least four or five of them. Yeah, I mean, I just wasn't the biggest Lamelo Ball guy in the world. Which I mean, he, he played really, really well this year and showed a lot of moxie and poise for a rookie, and he's going to be very successful going forward. But I liked Killian Hayes' tools coming out. Um, I think with that 6'5", you know, almost 200-pound body, I think that that translates real well. And he has some nice raw skill um, and some natural talent, but he clearly needs to work on his shooting a little bit more and um, some other things. But I think he still has the makeup to be a solid point guard. But now when you talk about bringing in Cade Cunningham, it's like, okay, well, can – um, Killian play off ball is that something that he's going to be able to do and so it's a little bit of an interesting dynamic there between those two because if you keep them it could get kind of messy but at the same time you just drafted him what seventh overall last year you're not ready to move on from that and he was injured so I mean Dama what do you think about the Pistons getting the number one pick I love it I love it. I mean, I, I that was one of the teams that I wanted to get Cade either him, either the Pistons or the Thunder to kind of to pair with uh, with Shy. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's 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 fitting because you know the last time I think they've had a, a talent like Cade Cunningham was when they had Grant Hill, um, and that's kind of who Cade reminds me of. So it's like for him to go to Detroit, like that city needs that. They needed that. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, it's it's kind of like about about time. So I, I think uh, you know, with Killian, he's gonna he's gonna have to learn how to play off the ball. Um, he kind of reminded me of of D'Angelo Russell coming out. So I think he has that ability to kind of play off the ball and kind of be a scorer, a spot up shooter. Um, and he has some of that like uh, kind of flashy playmaking with him. Um, I just think he got to get a little bit stronger, and he's got to get a right hand. Um, right. He's real, yes. He's real left hand dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but K that's, that's the prize to me. Like he, him and Jalen green, I think are the two prizes in this draft where I think they're like surefire 20 point per game, all stars two, three, four years from now. Um, mm-hmm. like I'm not worried about them two dudes at all, um, mm-hmm. for, for the positions they're going to play and the style, the way the game is right now. I'm not worried about them two at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you got a top two pick in this draft, you won, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think it's good for the league, you know, it's just going to, to some small markets that can, you know, kind of build up their uh, prestige around, around the league. Yeah, and uh, interesting to see Toronto uh, kind of winning the lottery. And, 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 you know, it's all relative, but for them to get the fourth pick in the draft after being right there with Washington and Chicago – in the last yeah. month of the season, jockeying for that 10 seed. Um, for them to get a, a top five pick uh, is really big for them. And you mentioned, obviously, Cunningham and Jalen Green. 
Uh, other top prospects in the draft, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kuminga. Um, I think anyone that really fell in the top five uh, probably did really well for themselves. Let's say, for instance, they take a Jalen Suggs. Well, then, you know, that, that, that's your heir apparent to Kyle Lowry. And if Toronto decides to keep Siakam and keep Ananobi, you know, that's, that's a nice team right there. Um, so that was, that was really good for them. And kind of for, for me, it kind of made me wish that, well, maybe and you guys probably want to talk about this more later, but maybe the Wizards shouldn't have had that 17 and 6 mark because they could have been in Toronto's shoes. You never know. Um, as far as the Pistons go, yeah, I think Cunningham's going to be a great fit for them. Uh, Detroit hasn't won anything. And, you know, the Pistons winning the championship 15, 16 years ago is the last time that city of Detroit was, was really relevant in sports. Um, Cunningham's going to be a good f- fit for them. Uh, I know a bunch of us, um, Brandon and Damo, like Sadiq Bay. Um, he'll be there for a while. It will be interesting to see how, how Killian Hayes can fit if he's the, uh, the off guard or, or if he's going to be a backup. Um, but I think this is finally a, a ray of light for the Pistons that they really haven't had possibly since the, the mid-2000s when they had you know the Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, uh, Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups team because they've been an NBA purgatory for a long time. Yeah, um, he was definitely more on the Sadiq Bay train, I think, before the draft than I was for sure. I wasn't even really thinking about him um, that much, to be honest with you. So that credit should go to him because, um, yeah, I just really wasn't that big of a Sadiq Bay fan uh, before the draft. I kind of thought he would just be another spot shooter, which, I mean, in all fairness, he probably just would have ended up being on our team anyway. But, I mean, even still, um, he shot what he shot over 40% from three this year, right? Uh, no, close to, he was about 38%, but it was on good volume. He was at like five, six attempts a game. So, okay. um, you know, I mean, he was a legitimate shooter, uh, yeah. you know. And then, you know, all his stuff pre-drive, I mean, it kind of looked, that's, that's pretty much how he played at Villanova, just in the corner, catch and shoot, three ball, you know, and he's doing exactly that in Detroit now. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Detroit, Detroit is, uh, they, Troy Reaver got him going the right way, for sure. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the, the Houston Rockets real quick. Now, I think they could go and... I mean, any direction. I could see them taking a point guard. I could see them taking a wing. I could see them taking Evan Mobley. It pretty much just depends, I guess, at that point uh, on who Raphael Stone thinks is the better player long term. Um, Mobley could, you could take Mobley and then just either put him or Wood at the five. I would assume they just put Mobley at the five and put Wood at the four, where I think Wood is probably best. Um, They could take Jalen Green. And then you have. You know, your your backcourt player going forward and maybe play with Wall for a year if Wall hasn't moved. You could take a point guard. Obviously, you need one because Wall is not going to be their answer long term. So, I mean, they could go in a bunch of different directions. But, I mean, what do you think about Houston and what they can do with that number two pick? Yeah, I, I think with, with Houston, um, I mean, it seems to be like everyone kind of has Mobley penciled in there. But, I, I mean, if it was me, I would I would go. Jalen Green. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I think, you know, it's a guard league, man. And I just think he he already averaged about 18 a game in the G League play. I can see him coming right on over to the NBA and averaging about 18, 19 a game, like day one. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just – that's just the, what the league is now. It's just easier for guards to come in to handle the ball that can get their own shot. With his type of athleticism, it's easy for them to pop early. Um, I think with Mobley, I love his game, but I think he's going to take a little time with his body and, and adding some more touch because he's not much of a shooter outside the paint. Like he kind of reminds me more of like a like Jaron Jackson Jr. out of out of out of Memphis. Um, he's kind of like he's he's like a five, but he kind of got the body of a four. Great mm-hmm. defensive potential, got some touch, but you see him with Jaron Jackson Jr. He can't stay healthy. And so that's going to be a learning curve for for guys with that type of body type. Whereas I feel like with with Jalen Green, man, with him and uh, uh, can't think of the, the the young kid they they got from the Cavs, uh, Kevin, Kevin Porter. Porter, Kevin Porter Jr. I mean that's your backcourt, and 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 Christian Wood is only twenty five. Those three dudes right there, and then you got Deshaun Tate on on in, at the wing, like. 
that's it's go time right there. Like those 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 four guys, I think you can build off right yeah. now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I that's what I would do. But I, I, either way, they're in a good spot. Yeah, I I agree with you, Damo. I th- I think you know Mobley would be a great pick. Um. You know, a lot of a lot of prognosticators have him going second. He was fantastic in the tournament with USC. Um. But I, I think Jalen Green's the way to go, too. I, I think the Rockets need a playmaker. Obviously, they have John Wall, and he's, he's going to play for you know uh, another year or two with the Rockets if he stays healthy. But um, you know, the, the, they need someone who's going to be a playmaker that can combine with Christian Wood on, on the pick and roll. Um, you know, Jay Sean Tate did a nice job last year. The Rockets had a good opportunity last year to try some guys out, um, some, guys, some guys that might not have otherwise had an opportunity. Kenyon Martin Jr., uh, did a really nice job for the Rockets last year. Um, David Nwaba, a guy who's bounced around the league a little bit, got some time there. So I think the Rockets had a good opportunity to evaluate a bunch of players. Uh, and like you said, it, it could be go time really soon for them. I think if you combine Wood with Green, who, like you said, is a born scorer. I've seen comparisons to Eddie Jones for him. Um, you know, hopefully uh, John's healthy next year and, and John Wall can give them some, some good minutes. That, that could be a team that, if they're healthy, could be fighting for, for uh, eight, nine, ten spot in the West. I know that's not saying a lot um, because uh, you know the nine and ten seeds you know are a little, a little watered down now. But I, I think with Wood and with someone who has all the potential in the world like Jalen Green, I think that would be a, a really fun pairing for the Rockets. Yeah, I think is, with these top two picks, so we know that the Pistons and the Rockets have been kind of you know trying out young talent. I mean, let's face it, they're rebuilding. But once you get your franchise player. And in this situation, we think that Cade can be the franchise player in Detroit and that Jalen Green can be the franchise player in Houston. You then got to kind of switch up your mentality and how you've been doing things. You got to, you know, maybe for this year, you don't do anything fancy, but within the next couple to a few seasons, you got to start finding a way to get some quality veterans on the team. I kind of go back to when we got Wall and Beal. You know, Wall's first couple years were a joke, but then they slowly started putting together together some um, teams with some veterans on them. You go back to the Okariza deal and then adding Gortat, uh, Nene. You know, so eventually those two teams are going to have to kind of switch their mentalities. And they're going to have to go get some veterans to put around their young stars to help them develop. Because you want to get them in the playoffs sooner rather than later. You need to give them some incentive to want to resign. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's just what the Hawks did. Um, yeah, this offseason, you know, they had terrific yep. young guys with uh, Trey Young, who's been fantastic. Um, Hunter before he got injured, Reddish, and and obviously um, Collins. And then you, you, you know, they spent a lot of money on guys that weren't necessarily superstars, but they were really good complementary guys, like like Bogdanovich and um, Danilo Gallinari. And that's been a winning yep. formula for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and you need those contracts should a superstar come available to trade for. You know, so you collect the assets and then you use that cap space you have while your superstar is on a rookie deal. Great point. And, and you go and get you spend it. And then if that superstar becomes available, then you can trade for it. I, I, I think that's the way to do it versus, you know, the whole the process and whatever the hell Sam Hinkie, uh, I mean, not Sam Hinkie, whatever the hell uh, OKC is doing, just grabbing a bunch of picks. Like, cause at some point you, you know, you got to say, Hey, these are my stars and those are the guys I'm building around and let me go do that. And then I'm going to start acquiring some good players instead of just picks, 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 because you only picks are only going to win you, but so many games. So I, I love what the Hawks are doing. I think the Rockets got an opportunity to do something, something similar. Um, cause I mean, I think if they could, I don't know what the future holds for, for John Wall, I don't think it's going to be in Houston, but if they can get off of his money and then you got Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood on pretty much cheap deals, like that's a lot of room to, to put some talent around those three and really do some things. So, Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on to some wizard stuff. So we kind of just touched on it a second ago, but Given where the Raptors, for example, finished in the lottery, uh, you know, should the Wizards have went on that run and finished seventeen and six? I'm going to say yes for the type of team that they have, because 
it would be really embarrassing to me if you traded for Russ, you have be on the roster. And we know the roster isn't perfect, but that's not the point. Those two in the Eastern Conference enough should be able to get you a playoff spot. And, I mean, you know, it did. Uh, you know, not in the prettiest way possible, but they did it. Um, but I think that that's kind of a situation where uh, you have to look at the totality of it and look at the optics of it. Because if you have Russ and Beal and you end up still getting a top five pick, well, what does that say to them? Because to them, I guarantee you, that's still not really an opportunity to improve your roster. Because at that point, Jalen Green's probably off the board. Kate Cunningham is off the board. What are you going to draft Evan Mobley? You have Thomas Bryant, Daniel Gafford. You're going to draft Kuminga? You already have Denny and Rui. So I still think that they should have finished the season the way they did. Um, it, it sucked how it went out in the series, but if I could go back and like if I was in Tommy and say, okay, well, let's try and win, or let's just try sitting the vets and maybe help our draft position, I'm still going out there and trying to win every game. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I, I, it's tough because... You know, when they were 17 and 32, it was just like, okay, let's go get the pick. Um, but, I mean, mm-hmm. throughout the whole draft process, it was just like, it was really just the two guys. I mean, Cade and Jalen, I think, are are just the cream of the cop. Like, I think it's a it's a little drop-off after that. So, like, if you, if you could tell me that, okay, we lose out and for sure we can get one of those two guys, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, but outside of those two, I don't really think there was like a, 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 a there's a game changing like cornerstone guy that that alters your your trajectory as a team. Um, like I think those guys, the rest of those guys are going to need some a year or two or a couple of years and they'll develop into to two players. But. The the two prizes to me are Jalen Green and Kay Cunningham. And unless you were getting those guys, I don't really see it as a, oh, we have to have that guy. Like, I think you can do what other smart teams around the league do and find talent outside of the lottery. Go get shooting. I mean, the, the Suns, I mean, you were looking at the Suns. They drafted uh, Cam Johnson. Uh, Macau Bridges. These weren't top five picks, you know. Uh, they missed on top five picks. The, the picks that they they hit on are the ones that were outside of the top five. <laughs> Evan Booker, I believe, was the eleventh pick. Um, so you know, the 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 there's ways to improve your team without picking top five. And I just feel like in this particular draft, you know, unless you were getting one of those two guys, try to win games. Um, that, that's just kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, and Damo, you, you mentioned the Suns, and that's a int- really interesting point to touch on, is they've gotten to this point without hitting on top draft picks. I mean, DeAndre Ayton was a slam dunk. They knew they were going to take him first, but you could argue that there were two two better players than him below him, and Donk and Chin Young. Um, they took uh, Alex Len, who you know we, we all love as a, as a Terp. Uh, I know Matt Moderno and I are, are, are uh, Terps fans, and then as a Wizard, um, and then they took uh, Dragon Bender, who was a huge disappointment. So yeah. you're absolutely right. Someone can be a really shiny prospect Josh in the draft, too. you know, maybe top five, top seven. But, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to help your team win right away, if at all. Um, and I agree with you that, um, as we've been discussing, Cunningham and Green really were the, the guys. And the Wizards had such a bizarre season. Um, you know, th- there were times where it seemed like they were the worst team in the league. You just could not understand why, because they have you know, literally the league's second best scorer in Bradley Beal and literally a possible future Hall of Famer in Russell Westbrook. And they just kept losing and they kept losing. And you knew the potential was there. And when they, when they went on that winning streak, um, I believe in February, when they went out to the West Coast and they beat LA and Portland, won at Denver, uh, beat Denver twice, I believe, in, in a span of seven days, you were like, okay, this is, this is the team, this is what the team's capable of. Maybe they can win a first-round series and get to the second round. And then all of a sudden, after the All-Star break, they completely fall apart again. You know, they get blasted by Memphis a couple times. Um, they get blasted by Detroit. Um, and you go back to, okay, well, hopefully they can, can get one of those two guys in Cunningham and Green. You know, 
maybe they'll come to their senses and trade Beal. You know, maybe Golden State can give them a haul or something. Um, and then again, they start winning again. And again, you kind of put on your rose-colored glasses and say, this team is capable. You know, not only with Beal and Westbrook, but Rui Hachimura is a very capable third guy for you. He could be a Tobias Harris in a couple of years from now. He already might be just about as good as Tobias Harris. Um, you know, I, I think some of us had... Uh, rose-colored glasses on for Garrison Matthews. I mean, I, I think at points this season, I thought he could be Duncan Robinson-esque. I mean, I, I think he should have played more, if, you know, if not for Scott Brooks's rotation, which is, which is a, a separate issue. Um, but at the end of the day, as a fan, I think logically it... it but, um, you know, to, to get one of those top picks, but um, I root for wins. And I, I really enjoyed watching this team. Well, you know, go on the win streak they went out at the end of the season. They had some good wins. You know, they beat the Lakers twice. They beat Denver twice. They beat Utah twice. They beat Golden State twice. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. And, you know, I, I wanted to see this team have a chance at the playoffs. So, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough call. But I think, you know, going with my heart, I, I would rather have them had the 17-6 and six run and, and have a chance in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I think I never root for losses, but – when it was so bad at the beginning of the season and there was really like, again, no short-term options on the roster that were really going to make you that much better in long-term. I mean, you have Rui and Denny, but you still don't really have a franchise player and your head coach is not very good. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, what are we doing here? So it's not like I root for losses because I don't want them to win. I just want them to lose because, like, I just hate when teams and players are delusional about the current state that they're in. Now, to their credit, at the end of the day, um, they were right in the sense that, yes, they knew that they could eventually get to a spot to compete in the playoffs. And with the roster that they had this year, that's all fine and dandy. But going forward, even if they keep the same roster this year, well, that decision is on Tommy Shepard, but the expectation next year still has to go up because you anticipate next year Russell Westbrook isn't going to start off the year so banged up. Um, You're going to have Thomas Bryant back for (laughs) hopefully more than 10 games. Uh, Natural improvement of Rui and Denny are going to have a new coach coming in. So the expectation next year for me is at least the the five six range. I mean that that's where it has to start for me in order to call next year a success. And it all starts, um, you know, with going out there and getting a third star. But we've already talked about that. Uh, more recent stuff. Head coaching search. So the Celtics today hired Ime Udoka as their head coach. So they kind of get the the first domino here. And all the head coach openings, I think there's still, what, six, seven openings left, which is insane. Um, In terms of the guys that we're interested in, I don't think that the Pacers are going to factor too much into that because the Pacers seem like they want to go with the veteran coach. And, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I I, I guess I get it, Um, especially with what happened with uh, Bjorkgren. So I don't think the Pacers are going to factor much into who we should be hiring, but... And I wouldn't consider, I mean, are the Magic a better situation than us? If you... Hell no. Um, yeah. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 to that question, I would say hell no. Uh, and, and, I, and I feel bad for that. I have a friend, I have a best friend of mine that's a Magic fan. Like He's a legitimate Orlando Magic fan. In Maryland, um, but I, it sucks for them because I thought they were going to get a top three pick, and then they end up sitting at fifth, and I think they got the eighth pick. Something uh, like that. From, yeah, I think the fifth and the eighth, and the eighth pick came from Chicago in the Vucevic trade, and it's just like they would hit, they would get the pick right outside of where all the elite talent is. Um, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, it's just yeah. like, like you saw that G, I don't know if y'all watched the lottery, but with the G, when they announced that they got the fifth pick, the GM face was just so like stoic. Like he was just like, really? Like, this is what, this is what we get. You know, it was just like, wow. Um, but I, I, 
they got to get like an elite talent in there. Somebody, a, a name draw. Like they needed Kay Cunningham. They needed Jalen Green. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't like, is Kamunga going to move the needle for them? I don't really know. Cause they've, they've been drafting tweener forwards that can't shoot for the longest. I mean, they just traded one and Aaron Gordon. They, they have, they have, uh, Jonathan Isaac there. Before that, they, uh, they took another forward. Uh, I can't think of his name. Azonia? Uh, not Mario. Uh, the, the, the one from, I think he went to Auburn. Um, that they drafted in the first round last year. can't think of his name. But they, they have a lot of forwards on their team. You know, they got Cole Anthony. But it's just like, what, who's the guy on that team that you look at or you point to and you say, okay, he has the potential to be a future all-star in the next three, four, five years. I don't know who that player is. And if they don't have that player, then to me, it's hard to even really pin down what their future is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think Orlando is a case study of a team that has just been built really poorly um, over the last few years. Um, they took Mo Bamba um, from Texas in 2018. Uh, you were talking about uh, Chuma Okiki, I believe, uh, from yes. Auburn. I think he had an ACL injury or something, Damo. Um, yes, that's what I was talking about. Yep. They've just been really snake-bitten. I mean, this is the team that <laughs> traded for Serge Ibaka. What did they trade for Serge Ibaka? DeMontis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo. Um, again, mm-hmm. they're a case study on what, what has just proven to be poor decisions. They took Mo Bamba in 2018. Now, I don't know a whole lot about him. I know he was really highly regarded going into the draft that year. He wasn't even in the rotation this year. He only was getting minutes towards the end of the season um, when I think Wendell Carter Jr. was hurt and Vucevic had already been traded. Um, so yeah, you mentioned Hazonia. Another great point. Aaron Gordon before that was good, but was he good enough to be a fourth pick? No. 2012, you can go back and see our old friend Andrew Nicholson. Um, So this team has been drafting poorly for a really long time. Um, So they really do need a hit on this draft. And whether it's Kuminga or whoever falls to them at five, it's critical for them because they are going to have a long and painful rebuild. Um, Which kind of goes to what we were saying before with the Wizards. They're kind of kicking the can down the road. Um, during the season, a lot of us were saying they need to jumpstart the rebuild. They need to trade Beal, see if they can get Golden State's pick from the Timberwolves from the D'Angelo Russell trade, see if they can maybe get Um, So, yeah, it it seems like the Wizards are another team that could be facing a, a long, painful rebuild, but Orlando, they bit the bullet. You know, they traded Fournier, they traded um, Vucevic, and I don't know. They have a long, long way to go because of really poor drafting. Now what they could do is package the picks and try and move up. But is anyone going to be in that position to where they want to move down, I guess? Now Toronto could maybe do that. Maybe they're just like, yeah, yeah, we'll go down a pick, uh, but we also want eight. Or, or nine yeah. or whatever it is, you know? I mean, I think that's more common in the NFL than it is the NBA, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's still possible. They could try it. They, they could look at that and say, you know, well, we need to come away with this draft, uh, from this draft with a star player, a, a really good star player who for sure is going to help us long-term. The problem is, is if Green and Kate are already off the board. Well, who are you going to do that for? You know that for Jalen Suggs? Well, why? You just tied up all this money into Markel Fultz, and now you have Cole Anthony. So that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You're going to take Kaminga? Well, you already have Jonathan Isaac, and Okiki was actually a, a very solid player this past season for the Magic. So um, it's I, I just don't know who they would pick. I, I think going back to Mobamba, I mean – that's clearly embarrassing. I mean, a top five pick isn't even your starter by now. I mean, even if he's not a good starter, but like he's not even your starter, that's sad. Their best player at this point is probably, I mean, it's probably Isaac if he's healthy, but I mean, if not, it's probably what, Wendell Carter? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I mean, when I, him, <laughs> when I watched him a couple of times, like Mo Bamba couldn't even get minutes over Birch, a guy that they had just signed off the street. And I'm just like, why would you draft him top five when you had Vucevic? You know, you weren't planning on moving on from Vucevic. And then you got this guy, you draft top five, a big man. 
and then you know you just bury him on the bench. Like it just the player development there. I I don't I don't understand. I think Cole Anthony might be legit though. Um, but if he is, what does that mean for Markel Fultz? Um, right. Very you know he has to have the ball management of the um, roster there. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think they had Bismack Biombo. Uh, his contract was still there when they took Mo Bamba too, and he was getting minutes over Mo Bamba. Um, yep, sure was. Yeah. Well, veteran coaches are going to play veteran players. So, I mean, that, I mean, from um, Steve Clifford, I mean, that's just what Steve Clifford's going to do. So, yeah. and the Pacers are are looking at Steve Clifford now. They're they're like you said, looking for a veteran coach after the. Nate Bjorgen fiasco. So they might get a Stotts or a Clifford and that that might set them back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're 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 trying to compete. They're not they're not ready to blow it up yet, but they will probably next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Pacers have a nice roster though. I don't hate the Pacers makeup. They just don't have like they don't have like a star player. Like like Karras is supposed to be their star player, but he's just not on that level. Now now we'll see how he comes after a full offseason of being healthy and all that. Um, and maybe he can come out there and maybe try and be like a, a 23, 24.5 and 5 type guy, maybe be like a fringe all-star type player. But, um, yeah. I mean, they, 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 don't, they don't have that guy right now on the roster. So, Yeah, Karras is a very, very nice player. I really like him. I think he pairs well with Brogdon and with uh, Sabonis. But, yeah, I think you're right. They need kind of another more of a go-to scorer uh i think they were starting um mcdermott you know several games this year including Mm -hmm. playoff games so um the the pacers have a lot of work to do in the offseason it's not just an issue with the head coach obviously they were hurt by injuries to miles turner um uh, warren but um you know they they have a lot of work to do this offseason if they're going to go for it yeah um but, but going back to our head coach thing here. So I've seen different betting sites and maybe you guys can remember the names of these. If you've seen them, I don't remember. Um, we got one earlier that said our best bet right now is Sam Cassell. I've seen others that have said um, Wes Unsell Jr. I still think at this point that the head coach is still going to be Wes. I, I still think that that makes too much sense, but we know that there's some interest in Chauncey Billups and whatnot. Um, I don't know if we have any other official candidates other than Wes and Chauncey. I mean, are there any others that we've that are on reports for us being interested in? I know that there are reporters that are like, watch out for this name and this name, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the Wizards themselves are interested in them. Um, I mean, are there any others outside of those two? Yeah, that was the last I, I saw. Um with Cassell and, and Wes Unsell Jr., but, um, I mean, I don't know where they would go outside of those two guys. I mean, I guess Kenny Agerson is still out there, but uh, I really Gordon don't Hamm, know. You know, he's been, he's been a stalwart on Coach, uh, Coach Budenholzer's staff for a while. He could be a good ad. Had a uh, random stop in D.C., I believe, in the late 90s um, <laughs> as a wizard. Uh, I think he could be a solid option. I'm just looking at some of the odds that were tweeted. Um, you know, Mark Jackson, not, not really interested in him. Um, Becky Hammond would, would be a nice option. I think she, she might get the Portland job. Um, and yeah, Cassell and Unseld. Uh, I think those two really do uh, carry the day as to who, who will probably get the job. Yeah, I, I think also with the, the, the Wizards is they're definitely more of a progressive organization. So I think, and I'm not taking a stance on this. I'm not trying to make it political. I'm just saying from the politics of the Wizards, I think this is either going to be a minority. I I think it's going to be a minority hire. So whether it's a Becky Hammond for the female aspect or, um, you know, a a Sam Cassell, um, a a Wes Sunsell Jr., a Chauncey Billups, obviously you have – a large, um, a large portion of the Wizards fan base is black, given it's in the DMD, and of course Washington D.C. You know, Chocolate City. I mean, it's um, important that you get someone that can represent the fan base and do a lot of good work in the community and that sort of thing. So, um, I really wouldn't consider the the old white geezers as people that are going to be considered for this job for at this point right now. 
but my favorite is still Wes Unsell Jr. And I have been consistent about that since the middle of last season when the Wizards were poop. I know Damo is kind of right there with me on that. But, I mean, do you have any changes on who you think it's going to be at this point based off any reportings, or you still think it's Wes like me? Yeah, I still think it's Wes, you know, but that point you just mentioned about the, kind of the, the social aspect of it with the city, like I hadn't even thought about that. I was thinking about that with the Celtics job, you know, how I was mentioning with the stench they got to kind of get off. So it made sense with the Udo hire, but – you know, it's kind of usually these franchises kind of do the opposite of what they just had. So, like with Scott Brooks, you know, you have the white guy retread. So, I'm thinking they're going to go the total opposite of that. So, it's going to be an assistant, new up and coming coach, and a minority. So, that makes total sense. And the only two that really fit that, that are the bigger names, are Cassell and, and Unsell. So, and then the yeah. unsell hire has the local, you know, ties. So that makes even the most sense. So I, I think it's yeah. those two. That, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Andy, what yeah. do you think, man? Do you think it's going to be uh, Wes or do you think it's going to be someone else? Just to be different, I'll, I'll say I think it's going to be Cassell. Um, I, I really like him as a kid. I remember loving him on the Houston Rockets. You know, we all remember his celebrations. <laughs> Um, he's a Baltimore kid. He went to Florida State, uh, never never returned to the DMV after that, except for his stint as an assistant here briefly. Uh, has a good good uh, relationship with Brad. We know he had a good relationship with Wall, uh, who obviously isn't here anymore. But I think he's he's comfortable with the DMV. He's sort of a local product. Um, smart, smart basketball man. Um, so is Unseld. And Unseld makes a lot of sense, too. But I can see them going for Sam Cassell, and I think a lot of fans would be very excited about that type of hire. I, I think uh, we can all agree we're, we're happy they're not going to hire a retread like they've done in the past. Um, it really is a good opportunity for this team to, to pivot to a, a younger coach who maybe doesn't have so much experience. Uh, if it's a minority, all the better. Um, and that, you know, that certainly seems like it's going to be the case. If, if the Wizards were to hire Cassell, and this is, of course, just, just spitballing here, how much of a relationship and how friendly is he with Kawhi Leonard? That's the one thing I would ask, like, when I'm interviewing him for the head coach position. Like, how much pull do you have with Kawhi to where, let's say hypothetically he wanted to come here. Like, let's just pretend. Like, could he be someone that could make that happen? Because I don't care anything about Wes. If Sam could be able to convince Kawhi <laughs> to come here, I would sign Sam Cassell on the dotted line today. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, sure. I, from what I understand, Sam Cassell is a pretty popular guy with the players. Um, you know, we know about his his relationship with John and Brad. Um, I think I think he'd be a players' coach like Brooks was, except except I don't think no offense to Brooks, I don't think he'd necessarily let the players walk all over him like Brooks did. Um, as far as his relationship with with Leonard, um, I, I haven't read a whole lot about it. Um, obviously, Kawhi would be a, a tremendous pickup for the Wizards and to the extent that Sam Cassell could help get him here that that would certainly be another feather in Sam Cassell's hat um wouldn't surprise me if if uh they they do have a relationship that could potentially bring Kawhi here um and I think if Phoenix sweeps the Clippers which you know if Paul, Chris Paul comes back in game three and Leonard's still out I think that's very possible Clippers could be looking at another shakeup and that could involve moving a Kawhi Leonard I don't, I don't know what his contract situation is uh Damo and Brendan um but yeah, well, I, I think that, that if that could sway a, you know, a superstar like Leonard to come to Washington, then that's all the more reason to pursue a Cassell. Yeah, I believe Kawhi has a player option, which I'm sure he's going to opt out of mm-hmm. and look for a new deal. So, um, Yeah, that, sound, that yeah. sounds right. Yeah, so that would be crazy, though. Um, I hadn't even thought about that angle, but that, that would be crazy. That would be yeah. super crazy. Yeah, because, I mean, a a lot of times guys get jobs just because of connections. You know, sometimes it doesn't even really matter about the X's and O's a whole lot. It's just about who you know and, you know, can you entice XYZ to to come play here? Not that I think that Sam Cassell is not a good coach or a dumb player. I mean, and I was listening to uh, Brad's podcast the other day when he had Standig on. It was kind of the, the Brooks Fired episode. And Ben makes a great point on this, like, yeah, we people may be popular in the media, but do we know actually if these if these guys are or girls are good head coaches or not? No, you know 
we have we have no idea. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's also important that when we have these candidates in mind, like, well, it makes sense because X, Y, Z. But at the end of the day, we don't know what their basketball knowledge is and what their role was with their team. That stuff isn't really public. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I, I can say with the with Cassell, I, I like the fact that he was a an accomplished player, you know, a starter in the league, playoff performer. And, you know, that I think holds a lot of weight with players because you know he's not going to just let guys say whatever the hell they want to him. And when he says something, it's coming from a of a of a place of experience that he can he can speak on. So um, I, I I would love to hire if they were able either one of them, him or Wes. Um, I don't I don't think I lean either way, but either either one of them, I think is is is, is a go. Would you take Chauncey either um, over both of those guys if he wanted to come here, or would you still go with one of those other two? Chauncey over oh ooh. I think I would prefer Wes and Billups over Chauncey just because they've been on the bench longer. Okay. Um, I think this is, isn't this, I believe this is Billups' first year on the coaching side of it, right? Right, which is kind of why it's like I'd almost uh, like there are plenty of guys out there who have done their time. And this is the maddening thing, like with sports sometimes, is people want, um, certain guys to be promoted so quickly to where they even have a chance to get fully adapted to the role they're currently in. I think the NFL is a perfect example of that. Like, what are we doing promoting quarterback coaches to head coaches and all that sort of stuff? Like, like what are we doing here? Um, so, and, and it's kind of like that with the NBA too. Like, why not go get the guy who's, um, who's been on the bench for a number of years and has, op- has had uh, the opportunities to learn from different staff? That's why I think that uh Cassell and OS Unsell may be more enticing, like you said, uh, for this exact reason than a guy like Billups, simply because of more experience. The only difference is Sam Cassell is a little bit older and has that player experience. West Jr. doesn't really have that playing experience, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't know basketball. You, you don't have to be a former player to know how the game can be played. You don't have to be a former player to be a player's coach. It's just about personality and how you can manage guys everyone's style is a little bit different but i hate that notion too that like well if you don't have the experience guys aren't going to respect you well that's not true if you know what you're talking about the players are going to get that vibe that you know what you're talking about so yeah and and i think to your point uh brendan the ume udoka's uh hiring by boston is a really good hiring i mean here's a guy who if i remember correctly my memory serves me right. He had a cup of coffee in the league in the mid 2000s. You know, it wasn't really anything special as a player, but well respected basketball man, well respected coach. Uh, I believe he was on uh, Coach Popovich's staff in 2014 that won a championship. Um, he's been on several good staffs and um, he didn't play much. I don't think he would, you know, demand the respect of a locker room based on his stats in the NBA. But right. it's a good hiring for Boston because he is a well-known, respected basketball man. And I, I think that's what you, you, you run the risk with Chauncey Billups. Look, everyone likes Chauncey Billups. There's no reason not to like him. But we haven't seen him as a coach. So, so there is a little bit more risk in hiring a Billups, especially if you're the Wizards, who will likely be going for it this season. You know, a team that wants to capitalize off their, their strong finish to the season, wants to make another run at it. I think you need to have a coach that has been there before. And Sam Cassell, you know, he has learned under, under one of the best in Doc Rivers. So um, him and Unseld both bring a really good experience um, to whoever they're going to wind up with. Yeah. I mean, I, between either of those three, though, and along with Becky Hammond, I mean, those are probably my big four. I mean, am I forgetting anyone that, I mean, should be seriously included in that group? I mean, th- those are probably... The big four for four, me. I this think that fit, that fit the, you know, uh, opposite of what Scott Brooks was, I would say. Um, right. So, yeah, I think those are the four. I, I just wonder what Cassell, like, like, I know what Wes Unsell, you know, he's known for his def- defense and what he's, you know, the defense right. together with Denver. Because right. Denver doesn't really have elite defensive talent, yet they somehow manage to have a top 10 defense every year. Um, right. 
but I don't really know what Sam Cassell, what his calling card is. Like, what is right. he right. known for? Like, what is his what is his stickler? Uh, it's a good I point. Don't really know. Yeah, it's a good point. It's like uh-huh. if it's skill development with guards, well, we don't really need that at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> like right. if you're 28 and 32 years old, if we're still doing the skill development, then we got a problem. Right. And a, and a lot of that might just be, you know, de- might depend on what staff he brings in too cuz you know, he might as a first-time coach, he might have a O coordinator and a defensive coordinator and then he's kind of just managing uh everything else. So it's, Shit, it's, get me get me Wes and then bring in Mike D'Antoni as the associate. Sign me up. down with that, but he ain't leaving Brooklyn to come here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are some other, like, I mean, former assistants that could come in? I'm just trying to think for because, again, we don't know. Is Sam an offensive guy? Is he a defensive guy? I mean, as a player, what even was he? I feel like he was just kind of like out there. He was, a, he was a good three-point shooter early, early in his career with the Rockets, um, if I remember correctly, and then you know, made his way around the league to Minnesota, to New Jersey. Um, you know, he, he did well in Milwaukee with Allen and Robinson. I, I think he's, he's a solid um, – he's a good locker room guy. I think that's why a lot of us like him. Um, he's, a, he's very outspoken. He's very bold. Um, he's not afraid to speak his mind, um, which, which you know, can be good in a coach. Also, it can be a bad thing with a coach. Um, but yeah, as far as a player, you're right. I think he was just he was a solid, you know, maybe top third point guard. Um yeah. did everything pretty well, but nothing amazingly well. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was kinda like to me, he was kinda like the you know, he's kinda like the Malcolm Brogdon of his era. Like he was never like a top ten bona fide top ten guy, but he was he was good. You know, one made one all star team, you know, pretty much every team he was on, they were going to the playoffs. Um, and he was contributing, but he was never a guy you was like Sam Cassell, top five elite point guard. He was never that. But you yeah. know, you had to if you had to guard him that night, you know, you had to respect respect him on the other side of that line. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, I would just be curious to see how he would build out his staff and and what kind of would be his calling card for the identity of his team. Because um, I, I, personally speaking, whoever we hire as head coach, I just want us to really have a modern way of playing basketball. Right. Um, more more three-point shooting, um, more ball movement. Like, I'm just tired of watching the whole bulldozing into the lane, ISO, trying to get, you know, 30 free throws a night. Like, I just don't think that's a way to you can win the championship in today's league. So, um, yeah. I think that is one thing, though, like, and – the the one thing that I like about the offense here is between Russ and Beal, we took a shit ton of free throws. If we can still have oh, yeah. that kind of mentality offensively, because you can have spacing and you can still shoot threes, but a lot of the offense should still be an attack-attack offense because yeah. Russ, Russ is good at attacking the rim when he's able to finish, and same with Beal. I mean, I would say they're both definitely – I mean, obviously with Russ, he's more comfortable at the rim. But I would even say with Beal, I would say Beal's more comfortable at the rim at this point than he is out on the perimeter because his finishing ability has become so damn good. Yeah, he's and so good at the rim. He's crafty as hell in there. So, you know. Yeah. But I'm still going to say Wes. I, I still think that it makes it makes too much sense for it not to happen. I think with the, again, the minority aspect, the local ties, he's a defensive coach, which is something that we've been asking for ever since Whitman left. It makes all the sense in the world to me. So I still think that's who my pick is. So we got two going for Wes and one going for Sam on this. Dama, are you, are you saying Sam or you're still saying Wes? I'm still stay Wes. I'm going to stay Wes okay. on this one. Yeah. Now, here's a question for both of you, and Andy, I'll let you answer this first. When do we find out who the next head coach is? It's a, it's a great question. I mean, usually it takes one domino to fall, and then some other dominoes start falling. I mean, you have Ime Udoka um, you know, agreeing to coach the Celtics today. Could that be the first domino? Who's going to be next? It seems like Portland, just based on the reports, Portland and Indiana are a little more further advanced in their searches than the Wizards, and that's fine. Um, I don't. I don't think the Wizards need to rush this at all. They need to take their time, 
make sure they make the right hire, make sure they vet vet everyone properly. Um, I think for the Wizards, I, I would expect a decision after the NBA Finals. I, I think they'll want to have someone here before the draft. Um, so probably in, in that range, maybe in that time period between after the Finals and before the draft, or maybe towards the end of the Finals. I don't know how the NBA is with um, you know, hiring coaches and you know, quote-unquote stealing headlines from the NBA Finals games. Um, obviously, we just had a trade last week during the playoffs, which is pretty rare, the Kemba Walker trade. Um, so I don't, I don't know if uh, head coaching uh, decisions are usually announced during the playoffs or after, but I think the Wizards will be one of the teams towards the back end to make their decision, and, and I, I do think it will be at least a week before the draft. I mean, I guess... My thing is, Tommy said that the the process was going to be diligent, and it was going to be a long process. So um, I definitely think that while it seems like they could be one of the last teams to make that decision, it's also like, okay, well, other teams are going to be interested in the same guys and gals that you're interested in as well. And if you don't hurry up and minimize your process and have your eyes set on one to three people – you're going to miss out on the candidates that you really want to get because let's face it, there are more jobs that are more desirable than ours in this process. Um, luckily one of them now is off the board. So yeah, um, Celtics job was, was probably the best, the best one available. I would think with the opportunity to coach Jason Tatum and, you know, a winning tradition up there. So that, yeah. that bodes well for the wizards that it seems, you know, Unseld and Cassell and whoever else they might be looking for um, aren't going to Boston. Damo, when do you think we hear about our head coach? Uh, it wouldn't shock me if you heard about it the, before the end of this week, honestly. Okay. I don't know. It wouldn't shock me at all. I, I, I'm wondering, though, if, if it is Sam Cassell, wouldn't it have to wait until after he is eliminated? I think they can they can interview and they can um, agree to terms, but he can't officially sign the contract until they're eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. So then, if it's not this week, then I think that increases the chances that it's going to be Cassell. Um, because I don't know if he would want to be doing that while he's in the process of coaching uh, a Western Conference Final <laughs> down O um, two. Yeah. yeah, down 0-2. Like, what does that say to your, your you know, your guys? So yeah. uh, if it doesn't happen this week, then I think that lends probably to it being Sam Cassell since you would have to wait on him a bit. And then, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Let me see what the age difference is between Sam Cassell and Wes Unseld. Hold on. Okay, Sam Cassell's 51. How old is Wes Jr.? I think he's in it. He's like 44 or something. Oh, he's that young? I think so. Let me see. Oh, his age doesn't come up on here. There's got to be somewhere you can see it. Let me see. I'm not finding it. I thought I saw somewhere he was in like his mid forties or something like that. I could be wrong. Yeah, because they definitely don't have his birth year here. But I'm imagining if he if he graduated college in '97, then I would imagine now he's in his. That would put him in what his forties, early forties. Yeah. So he's he, either way, he's probably a little bit younger than Sam Cassell, and I think that that should be a factor in who they pick because ideally, who you pick out of this next crop, considering you're picking the up and coming coach, you want them to be here for, you know, seven, eight plus years. So, you know, that'll factor into it. And it's not that Sam Cassell can't coach at 60 years old. That's not what I'm saying, but I still think age should be a factor when considering who to bring in. So. Sure. All right. Yeah, I, think, I think every factor deserves some consideration, you know, even, even if it's something that seems like it might not be relevant, such as age, I agree that, if they're neck and neck, that might be a deciding factor. Right, right. Um, all right, I think that's going to do it. Anything else you guys got before we go on and get out of here? Any predictions? Let me get, um, Dama, what are your predictions for um, these conference finals here on both sides? Uh, I'm going to go Suns, definitely. Um, okay. 
they're getting Chris Paul back for game three, rest of the series. I don't think Kawhi's coming back. So that's they might sweep them, honestly. Yeah. Um so yeah, Suns finals. And I just think I just think the Bucks got too many horses for Atlanta. Like the Hawks, great run. But I mean, the Bucks got a top, arguable top five player, and then two other all-star caliber guys and Drew and Middleton. So I just think it's gonna be a little too much for them. So uh yeah, I think it's gonna be Bucks Suns and I have no idea who wins that, honestly. Um, let's see. Because now I'm probably going to go – I'll go Suns in five. I, I think LA will win a game. And, again, this is assuming Kawhi Leonard is out the entire time. But on the other side, I'm going to go Hawks in seven. And then in the finals, I'll take the Suns in six. Andy, what do you got? Well, first of all, I, I think uh, Atlanta and Milwaukee is just going to be such a fun series to watch. Um, I mean, the, the, the Game 7s in the Brooklyn series and the Philadelphia series were so great. And I think what made them really great was just how much fun it is to watch the Bucks and the Hawks. Um, the Hawks, you know, they're starting out on the road, but they've shown they can win on the road. Um, they were the, the road team against the Knicks and against Philadelphia. I agree with Damo, though. I think Milwaukee's got too many horses. I think this is the year that Giannis finally makes the finals. Um, I think you're going to see really good play from Middleton and Holiday. Uh, Brooke Lopez has stepped up nicely, and uh, the Bucks have, have done a nice job under Coach Bud. Um, in the West, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I wish I could pick the Clippers just to be different, but uh, Phoenix is going to win this series. Um, I'd say in five also, um, you know, give the Clippers one, one win at home. Um, or maybe the Suns don't show up all the way. And then you have Milwaukee versus Phoenix. Um, you know, again, that, that's really a toss-up. And, and who would have predicted the Phoenix Suns to be in the NBA championship six months ago? Really just awesome for them uh, if they indeed do make it. Um, I think that series would go seven, and I think it's a coin flip. I also think Milwaukee and Atlanta will go seven. Um, okay. And it's just going to be really enjoyable basketball games to watch. Yeah, game one tonight should be uh, should be fun. Mm-hmm. All right, I I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, Want to thank Andy for coming on and having a conversation with us. Hopefully, next week or maybe towards the end of this week, we will have a Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, strictly related podcast. I'm trying to get a guest to come on for that. So um, once we can get a good schedule with him, then we'll uh, go ahead and drop that episode. But Uh, Once again, thanks, Randy, for coming on, and we will see you next time. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's been fun. All right.